And how are you, Auntie Yasmina? I'm Alhamdulillah, how are you? Alhamdulillah. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah, wahda wa salatu wa salamu ala man la nabiya ba'd. Rabbi sharah li sadri wa yasid li amri wa ahlul uqdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli. Allahumma allimna bima yanfa'una wa anfa'ana bima allamtana. Warzukna ilman yadhal jalali wal ikram. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah. As we normally know, we need to deal with the first segment, knowing my Lord. But before, before doing that, we'll be making dua, insha'Allah. And then we go, we go into our program. A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim, bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, ar-rahmanirrahim. Maliki yawmiddin, iyaka na'budu wa iyaka nasta'ayn. Ihdina as-sirata al-mustaqeem. Sirata al-lazina an'amta alayhim. غير المغضوب عليهم رب ولا الضالين غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين آمين يا رب العالمين ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا فإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين اللهم حبب إلينا الإيمان وزينه في قلوبنا وكره إلينا الكفر والفسوق والعصيان وجعلنا من الراشدين اللهم أت نفوسنا تقواها وزكها أنت خير من زكاها أنت وليها ومولاها يا رب العالمين ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا أذاب النار وأدخلنا الجنة مع الأبرار يا عزيز يا غفار يا رب العالمين إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وأصحابه وبارك وسلم سبحانك سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد لله people Before we go into the program, I need to say to you, I am extremely excited about what has taken place the weekend past. And you all know that we were busy on an excursion on the 26th, we said. And I'm extremely excited about all the things that I want to share with you that I've experienced. A wonderful experience that I've had. But um, I have been on excursions before. And I've been part of the excursion now. And it's not be fair, fair if I'm going to do all the talking. We have two of our presenters, or two of the representations of Voice of the Cape that's been there. The one is Auntie Yasmina Peterson. She's been participating in it, and she's got such a lot to speak about and to feed you what. But we'd first be listening to her before we getting into our normal program. Shukran, Jazakallah. Here is Auntie Yasmina, inshallah. Shukran so much. She really put me on the spot here. But Alhamdulillah, the excursion. 
Like she said, took place on Sunday, which was the 26th of March, which was yesterday. And to me, I'd say the excursion was an eye-opening experience. Alhamdulillah, there was a good amount of people there as well. And for those of you who were not there, you missed out on a lot. Really, I must say, the excursion was not only, like I said, an eye-opening experience for us, but about this vast and beautiful dunya that Allah has created us. It was so refreshing and beautiful in terms of allowing us really to be in absolute obedience to our Creator. We have created the heavens and the earth so beautifully. So yes, I've got a lot to share and I don't want to necessarily take up time, but the most important things that matters in life after attending the excursion is the fact that we need to take time out or you need to take time out in terms of going out and really submitting yourself for Allah in the nature. We went up to Signal Hill as well as lastly we went to the Tanabaru Cemetery which was an eye-opener because if you are going to Signal Hill, I'm not sure most of you have been there to Signal Hill. Many, maybe, or many of you haven't been there. But if you stand there on Signal Hill, you can see everything. The water so calm, the air so blue. So now we know the beauty of what Allah has created without the flow, the heavens and the earth. And Allah has placed us here on this dunya. Millions and billions of us are here on this dunya. We all are slaves of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when you come to the Tanabaru Cemetery, like Sheikh is always full of surprises, even in the workshops, even in the madrasa that Sheikh gave. It was an eye-opening in terms of, are you ready to meet your Creator? What if today would be your last? What if you won't wake up tomorrow? Are you ready for that? So allow yourself to be in obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and always, 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 always to make tawbah for whatever it is that you have done. Be it in this dunya, be it now, be it in the past, be it going to be in the future, always be submissive to Allah in terms of making tawbah because you never know when it might be your last. So yes, Sheikh, rounding it all off, it was an absolute, I'd say, great opportunity for me to be there. I don't regret going there. It was a beautiful Sunday morning as well. It started at about 7 o'clock or 7 and the air was very beautiful. It was very nice connecting with a lot of people and people in which you know, but then you also connect with them and you start to get to know them a bit better. Wonderful experience. Yeah, shukran so much for allowing us to be part of this beautiful excursion. Alhamdulillah. Shukran for that one, Yasmina. And thank you for your input for now. So inshallah we, we can carry on, you know, uh, we later on listen to the other presenter. What's her name? Kanita. The Kanita Sattarin, yes. She will also come and speak to us a little bit later. But uh, we need to carry on with what we've done thus far. In the first segment, we're dealing with knowing my Lord. And we were busy on the issue of Nabi Yunus. We were looking at Nabi Yunus and we went to the ayat in the Holy Quran, Surah number 21, verses number 87 and 88. And we then also mentioned to you that there's other places in the Holy Quran, and especially in Surah number 37, verses 139 to 148. We've gone uh, to those places where we've exposed us ourselves to the processes that Allah has given us and Allah wants us to be able to. Look at the processes that Allah has granted to these Anbiya. Uh, in, 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 surah, in Surah number 
21, Surah Anbiya, verse 87, we looked at uh, how Allah spoke about Nabi Yunus and, and the things Allah mentioned by, of him and what happened and how he landed into the well, the, the belly of the whale, and we explained the processes that what happened to him there. But what was important was verse number 88 for you and me in understanding. Remember, when Allah ever tells us about anything in the Holy Quran, about any of the Anbiya, or any of the people, Allah wants us to look into it and see our relationship to the message that Allah gives. And how do we react into that message and how does it affect us? And how do we develop and grow, take the lessons from that message, right? So in that message for us was the fact that Allah said to us, Allah then told us of what happened to Nabi Yunus and Allah then said to us, Allah answered his prayer. And Allah took him out of the belly of the whale and Allah gave him his freedom again and allowed him to be able to go to a different group of people and Allah gave him success with that people. And Allah says, if you and me as the Muslim Ummah of today, and Allah leaves this message for us, and thus do we deliver the believers. Allah says, if that was to happen to Nabi Yunus, if any of you and me have our stresses, have our challenges, have our issues in life, or our things that Allah puts onto us, that's sometimes uncomfortable and difficult. But if we can have our trust in Allah, like the Anbiya and like Nabi Yunus, who realize that he blames nobody else for the circumstances but himself, he admits to his own weaknesses and he is prepared to admit of the honor and greatness and glory that belongs to Allah. And in submission to that begs for Allah's help, Allah says, I will help the believers if they the believers amongst them, the believers, we will definitely help them. They must just have the trust like Nabi Yunus, who didn't say, I was calling Allah for three days and three nights. He was carrying on three days and not three nights. And if it became 472 hours perpetuate, the, the, the problem was carrying on and on. It didn't end after a day or after a half a day or after a few, a few hours. No, many of our challenges this happens for a few minutes and we start to complain. And sometimes the, the, the challenge is not there no more or the test is long gone and we still carry on complaining. Allah wants us to understand it's not the amount of complaint. It's the amount of admission and submission as to who we are. And am I on the right path? Give it to Allah through what belongs to Him, His honor and His glory and recognize how we are at weakness. Admit to that and beg of Allah for His help and assistance. May Allah open the path for all of us. Amen, inshallah. Your program address on a developing Islam in me with Sheikh Ibrahim Abrams. We are still in our first segment being Knowing My Lord. We are still in our first part of the program being Knowing My Lord. And that is with regards to Sheikh mentioning where Sheikh is going to be continuing where Sheikh stopped before the break. Do know that you can send through your questions on our WhatsApp number being 072-238-0712. Alternatively, you can send through an SMS to 47913. Just before the break, 
Sheikh Sheikh was speaking about Nabi Yunus salam, and also just a little bit later closer to the end of the program we'll hopefully have Sister Kanita Satadin in studio to share her experiences with regards to what took place on the excursion that was yesterday. Sheikh Bismillah. Just before the break we were speaking on, on the issue of Nabi Yunus and looking at the verse in the verses in, in Surah number number 21 Surah Anbiya we're looking now at Surah Safat, verses 130 and 139. Where Allah says Nabi Yunus was one of the Anbiya, and how Nabi Yunus, he ran to, to the leadership. And then he agreed to, then he agreed to have the lots cast, and was amongst the losers, says Allah. Meaning, Allah wanted to say that Nabi Yunus allowed it to happen, thinking that it wouldn't open up the fact that what he has done, but he came to realize what, that who he was, and thus, when he saw that it came to the, the fact that he need to, and he to leave, Allah allowed him to be able to be swallowed by the fish, and what happened to him, and his submission to the truth, that as we said earlier, he did not blame anybody other. He did not put the blame onto, onto this one, on that one, and said yes, but, and this, yes, and, no. He admitted to the process and he blamed nobody but himself. And he submitted to Allah that he needs Allah's help and assistance. And Allah says, as we said at the end, was it not, had it not been for them who glorified Allah, then Allah, they knew he would have stayed indeed remained inside the belly of the fish till the day of resurrection. Subhanak. So, indirectly Allah is saying to us that if you and I are not going to turn to Allah, remember, most probably we'll be laying and we'll be living in our challenges, in our uncomforts, in our uh, the load that Allah has put onto us. Because remember, no matter what happened to your life or mine, no matter what it is, no matter how big, and no matter who is involved with it, right? No matter what it is, it is or it has been decreed by Allah. Has been decreed by Allah. So it couldn't have happened to you did Allah not decree it. And if you know your Lord, the great Lord, the great creator of the universe, has decided that this must be part of your challenge in mind, so why do you cry? Why do you cry? Why do you make an issue about it? Why do you complain? Why do you want to tell the world? Why when you want to wish to blame somebody other? Can't you blame yourself? Can't you recognize that you need to embrace that which Allah has given to you? Who decided that Nabi Yunus must turn his back onto his people? Nabi Yunus? Yes, he did so. But who decided in this decree? Allah. And you decided to be able to take Nabi Yunus into the belly of the whale. Who? Allah. Allah could have changed the circumstance, but Allah have decided that. So like Allah have decided that for Nabi Yunus to be a challenge for him. Yes, you and I can say it was Allah who decided, but Allah gave him the opportunity. Allah gave him the opportunity to decide, shall I this moment make an issue of the whole thing and complain about it and tell the world and send it to this and the other on my, on my worship and I get this and they do this with me? No, 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 it's nobody's business. Your Lord has decided for you what you're going through. Are you prepared to submit 
to take, do what we call an introspection in your own life and have the capacity to say, I need to develop out of this. My Lord wants to bring me back. He wants to bring me on the righteous path. He wants to guide me. So do you want to take to that? So what is Allah saying at the end of the day when Allah says, if it was not that he submitted to my cause, I would have left him in the belly of the whale. What is Allah saying to us? That if you and I are going to keep on being those people who wants to just complain and complain and complain and everything is yes, but and 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 how come and why not and why this and why that? Keep on complaining and complaining and complaining and find somebody else to blame and want to blame this person and that person and every everybody besides ourselves. If we can carry on like this, Allah says, I will leave you in your challenges, most probably until the day of Qiyamah. Ya Rab. And what Allah really means by the day of until the that day, meaning it might be uncomfortable for you and me in this world when you depart and until you meet Allah Ta'ala. Ya Rab. Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. And this is precisely Allah's message to all of us. That the, the message of Nabi Yunus is for all of us to say, when I need to be a slave of Allah, when I need to be a Muslim, when I need to realize that I am a slave of Allah, I need to give unto Allah the uluhiyah that belongs to Him and everything that He has created for me and decided for me and planned for me. I need to embrace that. And to accept it and stop complaining and stop finding anybody else but myself to blame and to look at myself and see all my faults and my weaknesses and my errors and my shortcomings and realize I have millions of them. I have billions of them. I'm I see myself as almost the weakest of all other slaves. And that's what Nabi Yunus did. He saw himself as the weakest of all other slaves. And Allah says, if you and I are prepared to do what Nabi Yunus did in the way he did it, then for that matter, I will be there for you. Not when you boast, not when you brag, not when you have it all, not when you think it's better. When the tough gets going, it's uncomfortable, it's unbearable, then you blame nobody else. Then you blame yourself. Then you do introspection. And then we realize, not you alone, all of us, we realize that we need to return back to the path of Allah and want to because this is the extensive love of Allah, His compassion for us, His care for you and for me. May Allah grant us to be of those people who recognize how fortunate we are with so many favors and that we feel terrible, that we feel bad for how many times we say but. And for how many times we can complain. And for how many times we can say yes but and yes and. And doesn't reflect and realize at that moment. Imagine Nabi Yunus had to say, Praise my Lord now. But what have I done? May Allah open the path for all of us. Forgive me, like I've said prior, these lessons in Madrasa and air as wanting us to come to realize how fortunate we are, how absolutely fortunate we are. We have a caring, extremely caring Rob, who decides everything, he decides everything. In his decree lies what is what's going to happen to us. 
you and I need to develop to embrace with positivity his decree so that you and I can be more meaningful so that you and I can become better Muslim so that you and I can be truth can have truth in the uluhiyah towards Allah so that you and I can be taken from Allah by Allah to become to develop to be of the best of people with all our shortcomings with all our weaknesses with all and admit and admit not like Nabi's admit I'm not a I'm not personally a good person I am not of the best I have millions, they billions of shortcomings in me. Nobody else, not my mom, not my dad, not my brother, not my sister. Speak about myself. Look at myself. See within me. My strengths, very, very little, little, extremely little. I have almost nothing in strength, weaknesses. I have the most, most probably more than anybody or everybody else in this world. And I see me with that. And with that, I knock at Allah's door in submission. Admission, blaming now nobody but just myself. Bella, open the path for all of us, inshallah, and grant us to realize greatness and glory and wonder belongs to my Lord all the time. Shortcomings, inabilities, faults, errors belongs to me at all the times. And most probably, if I don't keep to the appreciation of the wonders of my Lord and the favors of my Lord, I might just slip into having to meet up with the uncomforts and meet up with that until I really turn back to Allah. Oh Allah forgive us for our shortcomings, Ya Rab. Oh Allah grant us to come to realization. Oh Allah make us of those people when we listen to the good of your message, we strive to be able to act upon that to the best of our abilities. That we develop and grow to what is best for our dunya, for our qabr and for our akhirah. Ameen. Ameen Ya Rabbil Alameen. May Allah grant success inshallah as we go along So yes, we've seen the message of Nabi Yunus And that is allow us to come to realize How fortunate we are In the fact that Allah wanted to show us Or Allah paints to us the picture of what has happened to Nabi Yunus May Allah grant us khair and barakah inshallah And grant us to be of those people Who can develop and grow Through the process of being Of those who take the matter further I probably want to share with you with you as, as as students within this madrasa with us that if you want to read furthermore on the issue of Nabi Yunus Allah mentions him a few times in the Holy Quran and there's three different ayat that I want you to, to just, just, just check and the way Allah deals with him with us two places in the Quran that we've seen some background of him go to Furat Surah number 4 verse 163 Surah number 4 verse 163 you could also go to surah number 6 verse 83 surah number 6 verse 83 you could also go to surah number 10 verse 98 surah number 10 verse 98 just a reminder of uh, uh, a repeat of those three places that you and I need to do furthermore research on what is allowing us to be able to see the depth of how Allah deals with this, with this Nabi, Nabi Yunus. In Surah number 4, verse 163. In Surah number 6, verse 83. In Surah number 10, 10 verse 98. Shukran jazakallah khair. Barakallah fikum. 
That brings us to the end of the issue of Nabi Yunus. We inshallah bi-idhnillah hope to be able to start off with the, with the other Nabi, and that is Nabi Ayyub. Now Nabi Ayyub, for that matter, um, as, as Allah mentioned him in the Quran, um, is, is we also mentioned in Surah number 21, and probably we could go to verse there, verse number 83, where Allah speaks to us about Nabi, Yud, Nabi uh, Ayyub, and how Allah speaks to him to us about him, verse number eighty-three in, in, in surah number surah number twenty-one. May Allah open the path for all of us and grant us to be of those who are gonna strive to carry out uh, the process of growing and developing in our world, inshaAllah. May Allah grant us what is best for our dunya and best for our akhirah In surah number twenty-one, verse number eighty-three. Allah tells us of Nabi, of Nabi Ayyub, now allow me to be able to say to you certain things of Nabi Ayyub for now. Allah granted Nabi Ayyub to be a person whom Allah has given much of favor, much, many benefits. Example, Allah granted Nabi Ayyub to be a rich person. Allah granted him riches. Allah grant Nabi Ayyub further than that to be able to have a wonderful wife, his partner, his spouse, and Allah granted him to be able to have, besides his wonderful wife, to be to able to have, to have a beautiful family, a, gl- a lot of children. He had, alhamdulillah. Like we said, Allah gave him enough of, 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 of wealth, Allah gave him a good family, and Allah gave him beautiful health. He was a healthy person with everything that's good and wonderful. Now, Allah shows us all these qualities of Nabi, uh, Nabi Ayyub to allow us to understand what happened to him in life. And we saw that in the life of Nabi Ayyub, there was the relationship between him and Allah of appreciation and wonder and greatness. And in that approach that Allah allowed him to be able to have all those favors of Allah, and he enjoyed all those favors of Allah, he wasn't less. An obedient person to Allah. He wasn't less an obedient person to Allah. He was with all those favors that Allah has granted him, appreciative. He was very appreciative of his Lord, thankful, and he was always showing Allah from his side the appreciation that he had from Allah until Allah Ta'ala brought change to his life. Now of the changes that Allah brought to the life of Nabi Ayyub, Allah Ta'ala allowed certain things to him. He found challenges that was really uncomfortable. Sometimes you and I, Allah puts us through challenges. If you listen to the challenges of Nabi Yunus, you'll be asking yourself, Ya Allah, where am I? What do I go through? May Allah open the path for all of us, inshallah. Shukran so much for that. You heard us speaking in our first segment being Knowing My Lord. And now we are into our second part of the program being I am a Muslim, what is expected of me. To know that you can send through your questions through to 072-238-0712. That is our WhatsApp line. Alternatively, you can send through an SMS to 47913. Sheikh is now going to be continuing where she stopped last. To Sheikh Tafato. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله وحده والصلاة والسلام على من لا نبي بعد ربي شرح لصدري ويسر لأمري وحلل أقدة من لساني يفقه قولي الحمد لله In our segment before this we dealt with knowing my Lord we, In this segment we are, I am a Muslim so what is expected of me In the segment last week we were dealing with the wudu and we came to the end of the wudu we came to the end of the wudu where we looked at all the issues of the wudu that there was. 
plus having to be able to end our wudu with the fact that Allah Ta'ala has placed in this wudu for us something that we call the khuf to be able to when there's little water and or when there's a scarcity of water or when there's no water to be found when a person is on a journey to be able to deal with the khuf and the khuf is to rub on your boot or something that covers up till your ankle your foot has been covered with some shoe that covers from the foot to the whole ankle and the ankle is inside that covering then that shoe or 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 or, 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 or what's his name or boot or anything that you wear as a covering over the foot that covers up to the ankle we said if it's up from the ankle or above the ankle then that thing is called a hoof and you can use it for them the possibility of rubbing on there without having to wash the foot which means at that stage you could you could use it at home in your life or you could use it on travel there are certain conditions when you actually use that as uh, as those things as a hoof now the first condition is the fact that you and I, when we want to use anything that as a hoof, now I probably want to mention this to everybody out there, to pass it over to their friends and their families, because it's something that in our Capetonian society has not developed yet. And it's simply as a reminder for me and for others, because we, we seem not to have all the exposure about the hoof. Certain people amongst our people know the hoof and it's common to them. But generally most of our people is not very well versed with it and not exposed to it very well. And sometimes you hear questions such as, can we use it whilst we are at home? Yes, we can. Is, is it a norm, a common thing? Mustn't you first be sick? No, you don't need to be sick. Can it happen at all times? Yes, it can happen at all times. If there's a lot of water or little water, even if there's a lot of water or little water. Right? So, yes, when there's not a lot of water, it's best to use it because you're in saving on the water and you're doing something that's good. But as we said, the first thing about a hoof, it must be something that you wear on your foot that is to the level that covers up to your ankle. The thing can, the, that thing that comes on your foot can be in leather format or can be in other any in anything other. But it must not be something that is very thin. It must not be something that water can penetrate through very very easily. So something like a woolen sock is permissible to be accepted as a hoof. It doesn't necessarily must be only the leather, nay, it can be anything that is, if you rub your wet hand on that on that thing, that the water doesn't penetrate penetrate right up to your skin. So anything in a for as as a shoe, and it can be a leather shoe. It can be a plastic shoe, it can be a cloth shoe, it can be a woolen sock, it can be anything, or it can be two pairs of so socks that you wear, or three pairs of socks, so that you, when you rub your, your wet hand on there, 
it does not penetrate right through right so that is the first important condition it it must be able to be thickish and if you walk on that thing a woolen sock then it doesn't suddenly just break uh, um if you think of a a a a uh, nylon sock the nylon socks if you take your wet hand you you use rub over, you uh, uh, move all the water from your hand shake it off and you put your wet hand on your sock immediately immediately you haven't touched your sock yet but your, your your skin will feel the wetness right now that type of sock is not recommended then because we said it must not immediately if you if your your wet hand touches it and you rub over your wet with your wet hand and your wet hand means not no not a lot of water because remember at using the hoof the amount of water is exactly like what you do when you rub your your head remember we said you take the water you wet your hands with it you shake the water off from your hand and the wet hand that's been where the water's been shaken off that you rub onto your head now similar happen at the hoof you, you take water into your hand you shake that water off your hand so it just you all you do is you wet your hand shake the wetness off and then with that wet hand you you rub over the the, the hoof right so it means at that moment with your 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 wet hand touches your the whatever you've dressed in that covers up to the ankle then that thing must not be able to the, the water must not be able to seep through until the, the end like like i've given you've got all the different types of shoes that there is that people have today not all of them is made of out of leather so oh, but all of them is accepted when you in actual fact are moving at a distance with that thing when that thing covers your ankle and then you actually can use it as a a hoof shukran so much for that Sheikh. before you go on Sheikh, there was a request made with regards to the repetition of what she has mentioned regarding the hudu and the hoofs inshallah shukran for that one yasmina um, as to to the wudu, um, especially where the hoof is concerned, we said to us that this is a favor Allah has granted to us when there is circumstances that we find ourselves in when it comes to the hoof. There certain conditions that needs to be considered with the hoof. The first important condition of the hoof is the hoof itself must be some form of material, you know, some form of uh, thing that you put onto your onto your feet that covers up to your ankle for the least it can go higher than that no problem but minimum it must cover the, the ankle and the rest of the foot right so when the foot and the uh, then that thing can be used as a as a as a, uh, a hoof example ladies that goes to work they go to to work in this thing called the hoof in what we call a boot in today or a short boot up to where the ankle is covered inside the thing then you can use that when instead of having to be able to wash the foot and take the foot uh, your foot out of the thing you leave your foot in there but you rub over the foot and we said the first condition about that that is the fact that the thing must be able to cover the ankle secondly this thing must be able to have the capacity to withstand the water when a wet hand goes to be put on there which means it mustn't be as thin as an island sock 
not even a, 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 a recommended uh, a cotton sock, which is a thin one. If you have two to three pairs of socks on, which is for cotton example, um, and it's, it comes now thickish or, or woolen ones, then that becomes a hoof and that's permissible then to be able to be taken as a hoof. And it can be leather and or other any material, right? Being the second condition. The third condition, we said the first condition is the fact that it must not be, water must not be able to penetrate through it. Uh, first, uh, it must be able to cover the, up to the ankle. Second, water must not be able to penetrate through that, right? That's the second condition. The third condition is that when one wants to use that thing that we explained now as a hoof, you need to be able to wash your feet first, to take wudu under normal circumstances, and then you put your foot into these things that you get into, and they constitute then the hoof. You with me? That they then constitute the hoof for you, right? The third condition is that you must be able to take wudu on a clean foot. Or foot that's out, uh, outside the, the shoe or outside the boot, when you need to be able to allow it to be taken as a hoof, is before you do that, you must have had wudu when you put your foot into, you must have taken your foot with wudu under normal circumstances before you put your foot put into the hoof. So now, as part of the wudu, you then have to, like for instance, example, a person wants to be able to perform the waqt of fajr. So for the waqt of fajr, he goes and takes wudu like norm, every, body, every portion of his whole body with the feet. He, he takes the feet and he washes his feet. And, the, the, and then he puts on his sock and after his sock, he puts on a boot, example. And except this boot with the sock to become his hoof for the day and he then rubs onto the boot, example, or onto his sock, if it's if it's thickest sock, or as we said, anything that's, uh, that, that covers up to the ankle, that's thickish, he does that, and then that thing becomes his hoof for the day. Alright? So when it comes to, during the morning, he must probably went to the toilet and relieved himself, and somehow by the walk of Dhur, he prepared himself for Dhur's walk, and he wants to take Kudu again then. Then at that moment, he, he, he takes it, he says, this morning I decided to be able to make this intention that this is my hoof for the day. Then at that moment he does not take out that sock or he doesn't take out that boot. He takes his hand, wets his hand and then rubs onto this thing and then that thing becomes his hoof. Are you with me? We all understand that. So what we say here, when it comes to the wudu pertaining to the hoof of the person, that is a permissibility for each and every one of us under severe circumstances. When we on travel, there are certain conditions to it. When we are at, at home, there are certain other conditions to it. For We're going to go into those conditions a little bit later. For now, we need to let us all understand that... It has, we have to look at those conditions, the fact that before you enter into this hoof, as accepted as a hoof, you must have taken wudu onto your feet under normal circumstances, and that is the time when you have made the intention to take this thing as a hoof for your day. Right? So then, that becomes your hoof, and as you go along, 
you can then use that hoof right through the course of the day to be able to not take your feet out of that, right? The moment you take your feet, you can take your foot out of that thing, then you need to be able to go back and to do a normal hoodoo, right? So with the intention of not taking your thing out, so you could use this thing to, uh, uh, to use it any, just use it anywhere and everywhere, as long as you keep it clean, and then you may make salah in that thing, right? Like the normal hoof uh, that they say is the leather hoof, you make salah in it, but you can also use a, a, a sock, as we said, if it's, we've given you the conditions of that sock, then in that sense, it becomes your hoof for the day, you rub onto that thing, right? And, and we also say to you, it can be any material in a thing that's called a boot or a sock or anything that, that covers up to the ankle. could be any material as long as the condition is water does not penetrate through that thing. Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. Now, we also in our second part of the program being, I am a Muslim, what is expected of me? And just before the news break, she has been speaking about the hudu as well as the hoof. Now, Sheikh, here is a few messages and questions that came through. The first question on our WhatsApp number from the number 7766 says, Salam, but about the short boot, surely there is nudges under the boot and must be removed to make salah. Please comment, Shukran. Masha'Allah, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Yes, I uh, want to say to our people, we are so quick to call something najis. What precisely is najis? Is dust that comes from the earth considered najis? No, it's not najis. If you really say there is najis, there is najis as najis, then there must be najis as najis described to us by Allah and His Messenger. And they are the ones who tells us what is najis and what is clean. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says to us, Ju'ilat li al-ardu masjida wa tahura. The earth as it is in its natural format is a masjid where you can make salah and there where you put your head in sujood amongst the dust, that is a place of sujood for you. So najis is not the dust of the earth. And if najis has been there and the sun has dried it up, and this, uh, the earth of its clean, because najis is everywhere to be found. But the earth becomes naturally clean by the sun and the wind and the rain that falls. They cleanse, Allah will clean, use these things to cleanse the earth. And our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa says, Ju'ilat li al-ardu. The earth in its natural format, sand, dust, dusty areas. Those are absolutely clean. And even if najis has been the first najis and it has been cleaned by the natural format, then it's absolutely clean. Inshallah, in this as in this lesson future in the future, we're gonna look at the things that cleans how do we clean things, right? So cleansing the process of cleansing my feet and my, my shoes and my lacings. Like for instance, when your foot is dirty, you, there's dirt beneath your foot, and you rub it on the grass or on the on the dusty land or on the gr- on the ground, on the uh, uh, rocks and the stones and the the, the sand, then that nat- that movement on it is naturally clean. It's naturally clean, right? Um, so we must understand what precisely we do we mean by the word najis. Yes, if the dirt, the dogs' dirt. That is wettish, 
has you you walked into there and now it's dirt that must be removed but it will dirty your carpet at home can you imagine you have a shoe on and you say your shoes is as nudges on but your carpet is clean so how do we how do we understand that it can't be clean then then you have filthy dirty nubbies nudges mats in your house that's every day dirty stinking with nudges I'm sure you don't meet the word nudges like that. If you speak about the dirt that we, you've walked onto the walk, the dirt of the, 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 the cat or the dog or something like that, then we must realize that that thing has, is, is dirty by itself and the dirt must be removed from that. And so when we identify this dirt on, then it's dirty and we must remove that. And that dirt is from the bottom of the thing. When it comes to the hoof, we haven't gone into the details of the hoof here as to how do we do the cleaning of the hoof when you use the hoof for, for do purposes. We haven't gone there. My response is now to the person saying there's nudges on the shoe. What then happens? That nudges, if it's true nudges, otherwise if you just rub your foot normally onto the grass, onto the sand, onto the stones, then if there's any dirt that's dry by now that is completely accepted there's nothing wrong with that may Allah open the path for all of us I hope you understand that Shukran so much for that one Sheikh and then there's another message that came through and this is a question for the elderly for them to reach their toes when making a do is quite difficult so can they keep toes open and pour water while saying you're near please advise Shukran Okay, first and foremost, I need to say I, I, I like the question. Shukran Jazakallah has a really lovely question. It says what, when the elderly need to take their hudu and they are coming to their feet and when they wa- need to wash their feet, it's not very easy always to raise their foot very high and to wash over the foot and especially amongst the feet, amongst the toes. That's what the first person, I, I imagine what the person is referring to. And so now the person says, because it's not very easy for that to do that, can they allow the toes to be open and allow water to flow over it and have the niya to wash it in between? That's what they mean by niya. I don't imagine the word niya here saying the way to fardal wudu or sunnatul wudu or these type of words, right? Remember the niya for the wudu is we said your intention to do the wudu in accordance with what comes from Allah and His Rasul. So the niya is not meant by the word niya that you say at the beginning, meaning the person just have the intention to be able to do it, but the, 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 the age and the, uh, the fact that they are frail, it's not so easy to be able to do the norm, what they could normally have done. Now if in, in certain hadith, the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam indicates to us, when a person has been doing this under the normal health circumstances, when you do your things normally, when you are healthy and strong, and you have the capacity and you are allowed to take yourself to do the normal things, then the day when you are frail and you are sick and you are weak and you cannot afford to do it or circumstances is uncomfortable, then that day Allah would consider the thing that you do under the circumstances that's uncomfortable as if you're doing it normally when you have done it. You've, you've tried your always your very best to do it the right way for the sake of Allah. May Allah accept from all of us, inshaAllah. But I would love to just add to this question, this person is specifically saying as an elderly, the person is somewhat frail, 
finds it difficult to raise the feet, finds it difficult to reach to the foot, then in that case it's best to be able to use a hoof. Or not best, better to use a hoof. For now, you can just put your... We're going to explain how you actually clean the hoof for the sake of wudu, but using the hoof would be the better part, because now it would be accepted that this morning you did the wudu, and you tried that moment for the first time to be able to do it when I can, and later on when you use it the hoof, as a hoof, the hoof can then just be a rub over that thing, in, uh, which we will explain a little bit later, inshallah, in the program. Shukran so much for that. Shukran to everyone who sent through the questions. Do know that you can still send through if you have any other questions through to our WhatsApp number as well as our SMS number being 47913. We have a few minutes left before we're breaking for Azan. Then Sheikh is going to be now continuing in our second part of the program. Still being, I am a Muslim. What is expected of me? So now Sheikh is going to be continuing. Sheikh Bismillah. Shukran jazakallah for that. And Yasmina, we were looking just before the break. We were looking at the hoof and having to say, uh, in the issue of the hoof, there need to be certain conditions. We said the first condition is the fact that that thing must be able to be over my ankle, a short a boot or something like that. That thing must be able to um, be thickish. The water must not be able to penetrate through it. And that thing, thirdly, we said, to be able to take it as a hoof, we need to have had the morning or the first time we'd wash our feet as part of the wudu normally. right? So then I put my foot, which has been washed in the normal wudu, into that thing. So now I am covered with uh, that thing. And from now onwards, I can use it. I've made the intention to be able to use it as a hoof. And so it can be used as a hoof then through the day. Right? The process, those conditions, if it's in its place, then we need to be able to realize that when we are at back home, you can use it for a period of a whole day. Now what is meant by a whole day? It means the moment you put it on, from there onwards, it runs to five oqat. What is meant by five oqat? I put my foot into my shoe when uh, when I've entered my foot in my shoe in the morning while taking wudu for fajr. And I kept my wudu until ishraq and then I after ishraq I wanted to take perform the salah for ishraq and unfortunately I had to take wudu again, and so so when I t- had to take wudu again, I then go through the whole wudu. Remember, I've made the intention for the time of wudu when I took the wudu that uh, I'm going to enter my foot into my hoof when I did it the first time. So now, when it came to this moment, now I make my hoof use it as my 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 the, the covering that my foot is in. I use it as my hoof, and I actually I just rub over that thing, right? So that's. We're looking here at the time, right? How, how long can I have it on my foot? So now I've come, it comes to Ishraq. And then it goes up to the moment for Thur again. I take Wudu again and I do it as a Khuf. And then for Asr, I use it as a Khuf. And then for Maghrib, I use it as a Khuf. And then for 
Aisha uses the khuf. If you think in terms of awqat, the waqts, the uh, salah waqts that we need to do, then I've actually started to use it as a khuf from the time of dhuhr. So the first salah for, for faraid is for dhuhr, for asr, for maghrib, for aisha, and then the next morning fajr I can use it as a khuf also. So then I've used it as a five awqat for khuf. You understand? Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. Now we're going into our third part of the program being leadership in Islam and its progression. And I now hand over to Sheikh to continue with Sheikh Stop Law. Sheikh Tafatul. Shukran Jazakallah, Yasmina. We're now in the segment called Leadership in Islam and its Progression. We are still busy, busy on the topic of communication. We've developed in communication to the process of listening skills. In the process of listening skills, we were last week. We covered certain um, certain processes there. Allow me just to recap with us. We looked at what is listening and what does it entail. Um, we we said it was all about a message that has con- con- that contains information. There is a source and there is a receiver, a source that gives off the message, which has the information in it. There is a receiver, a person who receives it, the one which we call the listener. And then there is an environment that allows the information that is in the message that reaches the receiver. That environment needs to be without noise. And without noise we meant, we said, the, the, the environment must not distort the information that is in the message, right? And we said the last factor that the person who's listening must be able to give feedback, meaning must be able to, one, either to ask the questions, to want to clarify the understanding of that message, and or request of the person who presented it, to be able to repeat that message, right? Though those is the things that makes up the process of listening. We said, right? We then went to the understanding of looking at all the things that there is, and we said that listening is a two-way street, meaning that um, you need to listen, you should observe the message, and you should follow up that message, right? We said. You could be asking verbally or ask the person to write down what the message all is about, right? We then went and we said when it comes to that listening process that the person must be able to listen with an open mind uh, and not allow to, to have his attention to be diverted by whatever has been said. The person needs to give consideration to the body language of the speaker, of the person who spoke to him. The person needs to be focused on the information that's given. And the the person must be physically prepared to listen. Meaning, um, we must not only be able to hear, but we must be able to listen to one another. Now those are things that needs a lot of development in development of of skills in ourselves and our offspring because if you actually nurture these things these listening skills positively then it brings about good future leaders in the world right um 
And so in the process of listening or the skills of listening, the scholars are saying, we said last week, they need to be a process of developing that we all see that we listen attentively and we nurture the need for uh, how to listen appropriately in ourselves and that we see that in the younger generation we make it a norm for them to be able to realize that there is a major difference between hearing and listening. You hear a million and one things and you listen attentively amongst the various things that, that you're hearing. You're listening attentively to specific messages that you need to be able to understand and to react or replace or you react to or to respond to, right? Now, if you and I need to respond to something, we cannot use our hearing abilities. We must be using our listening abilities. And in the means when we actually nurture others, or youth, youngsters, or, or other, we need to let them understand that there is a major difference between the listening skills and the hearing skills, right? And that we must be able to develop a sense of control on our listening skills. The hearing skills does not need control. It is just there all the time. But we must be able to decipher between the listening and the hearing skills and take control on the hearing skill side so that the hearing can become, we take control on the listening side so that the listening results on that can be much more effective and we can see positivity in the next generation that brings about what we call good leadership in the Islamic uh, Ummah, inshallah. In those processes, the scholar says to us, these are important aspects. The person must listen intently with the intention to want to listen, right? As we said earlier, he must be prepared to physically listen. And he must know, I hear millions, but I must specifically listen attentively. Attentively, intentionally, with a pure hope to want to understand the message. And to want to, under, uh, want to understand what information is in that message, right? The second thing about that person who is in the listening skills development must not allow his mind to wander whilst listening. Because sometimes we listen, as we said earlier, you're not really listening, you're hearing things. And your mind is wandering, whilst you are hearing and your mind is wandering, you are then distorting the message. And the information doesn't come through right, because you're wandering off with your mind, and you say that you're listening. You're not really listening. You and I, we are not, not, not listening at the time when our mind is wandering off. So it's such an important aspect. If we want to listen, then hearing and listening is absolutely, totally two different things. We must make it in ourselves, in, for ourselves, for you and for me. You must, you must say, like I must say, hearing and listening is two different things, completely different, right? In the issue of hearing, you hear a million things. And in the issue of listening, you specifically focus in with your ear. You focus in. You listen attentively to be able to just to remove the distortion, to remove the noise.
So you give an intent, intended process of listening and not to allow the mind to wonder about other things. Whilst listening, you cannot wonder. If the mind wonders, it's not going to be called listening, then you're hearing things. And because the hearing has got a million and one things together, you could have so easily noise that distorts the message that needs to be given to us or the information in that message that needs to be able to come to us in a specific way. The other fact that they said when we are busy going through the development of the learning to listen, the concentration of what is being said is important, right? Like we said, the mind, you must concentrate, you cannot wonder, so you need to concentrate on what is being said. The scholars also says, the understanding of we must be able to dis resist distractions, not allow, whilst we need to listen to a message, say we're listening to other things also. You cannot listen to a message with that your mother is giving to you and you're listening to music at the same time. You're not listening at all. You're hearing a lot of things, right? You're hearing and not listening. Even if you want to say, or is the person listening to the Quran and doing something else whilst there is a message being given to him? No, then you're not, you're not listening to one of the two. Right? That's not listening. You're hearing the Quran being recited and you're hearing other things. Right? But you're not listening yet. Listening means that you need to be able to somewhat remove distractions of what is distraction and pay attention to the specific thing that you need to listen to the message so that you have the capacity to draw the information from that message and respond and react in accordance to what is best. May Allah grant khairan barakah for all of us. It says that the person that's listening must be able to keep an open mind. Must be able to keep an open mind. Mustn't close the mind. Mustn't be busy with many things. Mustn't be able to wander off. Must be have an open mind. Keep the minds open and not to want to interpret the message as they want it. Right? You only come to understand the message and understand the message, the, the, the information that's in that message to clarity when you and I listen attentively. May Allah grant us the ability to be able to listen. And then the scholar says an, an important factor, when we in what we call a classroom situation, try to be to the front, be in the front seat or be near the person that's giving the message. And if possible, if you can take note of what is the message all about or what is the information you understand of the, the message. So all those make up of what we call the learning abilities in the learning to listen attentively. May Allah grant us all, inshallah, that we recognize in the world of development and growth. In this world, we Allah wants the Muslim Ummah to be true, wonderful leaders, to give over righteousness over to others. We recognize that the issue of differentiating between listening and hearing is a, a major process that is almost a problem in our society, that many people say many things to many others, and many of us don't get to understand the message because we're not applying the abilities of listening 
in that way the information gets distorted and unfortunately our reactions is not in accordance to what our actions should be may allah grant khair and barakah and need us to what is best for our dunya and best for our akhirah and so the scholars speaks to us and they say to us we must be able to have the ability to control our own emotions so when we listening to somebody we mustn't allow the ego to take the upper hand we must listen to be able to understand the message what is the 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 the, the in that what is the information that comes there what is the information in that message and try to judge the message on the merit of the message itself and not to be able to judge it because the way we want to judge it the meaning to listen to the message understand all the everything that's in that message what is the information in there and not to be able to be judgmental mental against the message itself we must have the patience to hear the speaker out meaning to listen to the speaker until the end and not barge in the capacity to barge in is very very easy and it is a means of satanism that unfortunately happens we do not then give a good ear a listening ear to others we hope others would be listening when we giving messages but we barge in and when we barge in we only we only misunderstand the message we distort the message the message gets corrupted and shaitan jumps in and gives us so many distorted messages with that and we react and our re- reaction is most of the time unfair unjust and we become sometimes judgmental in our approach because we're not having the right things in the right place may allah open the path for us right we 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 have told you last week about certain things and uh, we we spoke about verification now so scholars goes further and says to us verification is even needed in when we listen not only when we have a message when we even do the process of you need to verify by in the process of listening and allah makes a statement allah tell us is as we said in the holy quran إِذَا جَاءَكُمْ فَاسِكُمْ بِنَبَئٍ فَتَبَيَّنُوا That you need to verify. Allah says, أَن تُصِيبُوا كَوْمًا بِجَهَالًا That you affect others because of your misunderstanding. Allah is indirectly saying to you, you will misunderstand the message if you don't listen. If you don't listen and if you don't listen until the end. If you have the capacity to only listen to the middle and you cannot listen to the end and you don't have the capacity to control your nafs and you allow your emotions to take the upper hand and you suma want to respond and ya ma, then unfortunately you will harm others, Allah says. And to see with your with your extent of your mis, total misunderstanding and the state the person that says that you misunderstand is Allah. Allah says you misunderstand. And to see your misunderstanding or your purpose, your fact that you don't understand the real message or you don't understand the the message in its clarity is because you responded so quickly. 
أن تسيبوا كوما بجهلا أو تسبحوا على ما فألتم نادمين. Otherwise is Allah you because you did not you did not verify up to the end in the listening to very to every detail that you've been sure you understand the full message with all the information that it has very clearly without corruption without destruction without distortion it's very very clear all details is understood Allah says if you if all those things is not in place تُسْبِحُوا عَلَى مَا فَأَلْتُمْ نَادِمِينَ You will react and your reaction will become so negative that you will feel the pain in yourself when you come to realize, wow, what have I done? Why did I respond so quick? If only I kept quiet. If I only I had the capacity to listen. If I only I had the control over my own ears. This happens not once, it happens a lot in our life. And remember, shaitan does this constantly to, to manipulate us. That was for many times and many occasions, we get messages and we react to those messages in a way that unfortunately leaves negativity. Like Allah says, and to see bukawman bi jahala, you will harm others with the amount of misunderstanding. Or you will feel pain in yourself because of what harm you've then done to other people. May Allah protect all of us and guide us to what is best for our dunya and best for our akhirah. Amen, inshallah. Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. Now we're going to be to giving over to Sheikh and Sheikh will be continuing. Sheikh Tafatul. Shukran jazakallah for that one, Auntie Yasmina. Um, just before the break, we were speaking on the issue of of um, listening and, and the developing of the listening skills within ourselves. We went to the understanding of what happens on the process of verification, to verify. The scholar says to us the importance in the message of verifying things that you, 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 you need to be able to verify as being able to say to the person that you've heard the message from, what you understand of that message. Tell that person and allow to listen to how that person is going to respond, either saying to yes, yes, you understand, and or no. Right? Don't say to the person, you said this. Isn't that so? That is not the way we, we say things when we verify. We say to the person, do I understand you right? Did you say X, Y, and Z, and allow the person to respond? Then to say yes or no, right? But don't put the person into where you said, you said this and this is what you meant. You didn't understand the message. So how can you tell the person what, what the person said? You did not understand the message. Repeat, let me repeat. I say, yes, I know what I'm saying. I said, yes, you don't understand the message. So don't say what the person say. Ask the person. Make a question, put it very clear into your mind and into your heart and into the way you are. Say to the person, did I understand? Put the question there. Don't say, don't command, don't instruct, don't tell the person who you did not understand. First, you did not understand. Nay, not you, neither I will ever be able to understand unless and until we listen and we have the ability to admit the possibility is great that I could have misunderstood. 
is very, very great. 99.99% of my time, I must understand. I am referring to the word I, each and every one of our listeners. 99.99% I misunderstand the message so because the great the ability is that I can misunderstand the message I need to have a heart that is open a mind that is clear and the ability and the emotion and the ego that, that says I misunderstood the ego that says to myself nay I did not understand so allow me to verify by asking a question not giving a command not saying you say this say did i understand that this is what you meant and allow 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 the person to respond back to you that person has the right to tell you a yes or a no and it's so important that we realize it happens in many places in our lives sometimes with our partners sometimes with our, our, uh, our peers, sometimes with uh, the person in charge of me, and, and, and sometimes it's, it's the way I am in my own capacity. But if you and I are not going to say that I could have made a mistake, then you and I are not worthy of a righteous leader in society, right? So because it, the Nabi has said you are a leader you must be a leader you don't have the right to say yes or no you, you have to be a leader and so leadership is a necessity on your life and in the life of every person out there and the capacity of leadership is that ability that we need to pass over to the next generation of the future right and that ability lies within leadership that we need to carry male or female rich or poor status or without right so when in that capacity we need to understand what leadership wants to be so you and i cannot have the, the ability to say i understood the message that is very satanic shaitan has climbed into our hearts has only abused us has only manipulated you and me may allah protect us in situations of that nature that we do not fall prey continuously to that we are human, we err, we make mistakes, but Allah loves the person who can blame nobody else but himself and wants to repent and wants to improve and wants to admit to the fact that I can grow so much more. May Allah grant us to grow and to be a benefit to ourselves and to a benefit to many others. So the ability to recognize that I need to give feedback in a positive way, in a means to show that I could have misunderstood, I could ask a question, put it into a question format, and then to convey without difficulty in understanding what we then understood. And it's, they say it's such an important aspect of the fact of verifying the message to the best ability that we can. Thank so much for that, Sheikh. You have heard Sheikh speaking in our segment, Leadership in Islam. In this prediction, the time is now 3.53, and we are now sad to say that we have concluded with that segment, needs being because of the experiences that we'd love to share regarding the excursion that took place yesterday that was on the 26th of March 2017. And like we have promised, we have had 
representatives from Voice of the Cape attending myself as well as a colleague of mine, Kanita Sutardin, and she's now in studio to share experiences. Kanita, assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam, Yasmina, wa alaikum sheikh and the listeners. <laughs> Shukran so much for coming in and also giving you, giving us this brief input as to what you have experienced at the excursion. So bismillah. Shukran for having me. So when you asked and when Sheikh asked me to come in and talk about the excursion, I was like, okay, what am I going to say? So I was kind of preparing it. But, it, you know, there's not even need to prepare it because it was such a good excursion, alhamdulillah. Oh, I got home and I couldn't stop talking about it because although it was an excursion, the lessons that were that were given to us were so apt. And we started with a hike, you know, on Signal Hill and going up. And it wasn't really exactly an easy trail because it was uphill and also there were loose stones. But when we got up, like basically on the hill, and um, we spoke about, you know, what we faced. And Sheikh asked us questions and also the facilitator asked us questions about how did you find that? And what was your experience? What did you like about the hike? And uh, what did you expect? And... At first, my expectation, I'll be honest, I was told it's going to be easy. And it was, it was sort of easy, but the uphill, I saw the uphill, I'm like, yes, I love. <laughs> but alhamdulillah, once you're up there, you, you know, you feel like you've accomplished something with the, with the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when we got up there and we were given the talk and how about um, obstacles, you know, falling your way. And we saw the stones as the obstacles or stones as, you know, things that come into your path that don't belong there and you just walk over it. So that was very interesting for me. And also when we got into our groups like Yasmina, you and I were both separated. We went completely different <laughs> groups. So the groups that we had, you know, there were people in that group that lived so near to each other. There was one from Silvertown and one from Bridgetown and one from Q-Town, for example. And that's all in the, the same vicinity, but they didn't know each other. And we came to the conclusion that Allah Ta'ala granted us to, you know, go on this excursion to meet one another. Because we live in such a big world, but it's also small at the same time. Allah. We don't... We, 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 we live next to a neighbor, but you don't really always know that neighbor. And then tomorrow you meet the neighbor somewhere and you get along and you're like, oh, but you actually stay next to me. And then we, when we went to the Tanabaru, we were blindfolded. And that taught me a lot because that was all about trust and trusting your peers, but also trusting that Allah Ta'ala has got your back. He will protect you. So just standing there, it was extremely hard, I guess, but... You know, just standing there, I felt like I was on the plains of Arafah because when when we were blindfolded, you thought about no one else. You just thought about yourself and then the facilitator asked you to speak about your experience in life and basically you had to think about the life you've lived up until now and giving me that marble and that stone and realizing how you want your life to be. Do you want it to be smooth or do you want it to be bumpy and rocky? And just thinking about your time in the cupboard and how you're living your life now and how it's going to affect your time in the cupboard. Are you going to have snakes with you? Or are you, you know, is it going to be peaceful or is there going to be a lot of nur? So it was very interesting for me, alhamdulillah. So shukran, Sheikh. I think you people have experienced things. May Allah grant khair and barakah for all of us. I just feel that um, there's other people out there that could have benefited so much more. Definitely. And we could have benefited from them as well. Yeah.
I think it is Mina, you want to share with us some, some questions as to what you felt the, some other people that was on with you on the walk or on, on the excursion that they shared with you. Yes, Sheikh. Uh, shukran so much for that opportunity. Like Anita said, we were separated. We were in different groups. Now, some of the people, like I said before, it's with regards to really knowing yourself and really getting to know the beautiful dunya that you are in. Sometimes if we are faced with a challenge and we are faced with a fear, we susceptible to say, you know what, I, I don't think I'm going to go that way. It's mm -hmm. fine, I'll rather take the easier way. However, there was this lady in my group and when we actually asked her what her opinions were and what her challenges were, she said that she was afraid for heights. And look, Alhamdulillah, she stood there at Signal Hill and she made it. And that is also where the trust came in as well. There was another lady that also stood out to me where she says that she has only climbed Jabal Noor mm -hmm. and now she has climbed Signal Hill, Table Mountain and so forth in her own very Cape Town. So for me, I feel that, you know, it would have been nice. You have missed out so much if you haven't been there on the excursion. Inshallah, hopefully one day, inshallah, when she has another excursion, inshallah, then you'll definitely be part of that. But when I say that the excursion was an eye-opener, mm. the excursion was refreshing as well as soul-searching. It's all about, when I mean soul-searching, it's all about finding that balance within yourself. We often say that, you know what, you should go out a bit more, find that balance, live life, and so forth. But do we really know what it is like? For me, that was finding that balance, standing there looking at the sea, looking how tranquil it is, looking at how beautiful the sea was glistening as the beautiful blue sky was wow. laying over it with no imperfection at all. Wow. And that was all the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sheikh, if I can just add something, and also Yasmina, I don't know if you picked it up at the time, but I was telling my daddy the story, and I remembered back, Sheikh told us, you ain't seen nothing yet. Yes. And that never, you know, it never, um, it never clicked until I got home that that's why we had the blindfold on. <laughs> because we ain't, we ain't seen nothing yet and we were blindfolded so we could not see anything. Mm. And it was so profound because how did I not realize at the time? But subhanAllah. <laughs> <laughs> it was really amazing. Allow me just to mention, subhanAllah, not realizing that we've gone over our time. Shukran jazakallah wa salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaykum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Kanita, shukran so much for joining in studio and also sharing your experiences. Four o'clock on the dot, inshallah, when she has another excursion, definitely sign up because that one is also going to be you ain't seen nothing yet. So from myself, Yasmina, along with the rest of the team, we wish you assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and have a great Monday further.